Welcome to Cross the World with Kelly Miller, where we take you behind the curtain to see what it's like for some of the most impoverished children and families on the face of the planet, and how we can help transform their lives from deepest need to thriving joy. I'm your host, Kelly Miller, the president and CEO of Cross International. And I'm Chris McIntyre, co-host of Cross the World. This is episode six, and this is our year-end episode. It's the Christmas season, and you know I'm reminded of the uh, of Scripture where the angel appeared before the shepherds saying, I bring you news of great joy. And of course, uh, amid this good news, there are so many families struggling through the worst Christmas of their lives, and they don't have enough food to eat. And you know, Kelly, when you and I sat down and, and talked about what would be a, a topic of uh a good topic of conversation, especially during this uh, season of plenty, the the subject of uh, hunger came up. Um, also, food and right, uh, food right. insecurity and famine and all those uh, terms and topics uh, associated with the human condition. And I know you want to talk about those topics, but I also know that the issue of want and hunger is uh, is is part of my, of a much bigger. Uh, topic of uh, discussion, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It absolutely really is. And, and first and foremost, I want to wish you a, a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas season oh, well, to you. Well, Merry Christmas yeah. to you too. Yeah, you know, we just we just came out of Thanksgiving and had a mm-hmm. great time together. And you know, here we are. Christmas is just a few weeks away. And you know, if you're like us, I'm sure you are. You know, the family around the table or whomever right, is around right. the table. In fact, the matter there's a table there in front of you, right? <laughs> That's right. And With it, a lot of what? It, Food it's, on it, right? Yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's it's not that way everywhere in it's the world, not, is it? Right. No, it's not. And you know, this these are times to for us to rejoice, right? We we, we are in our country we have this this thing called Thanksgiving, right? And we right. Give thanks right. for a lot of things, and of course, you know, celebrating the birth of Jesus for Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. But the center of that tends to be, you know, that family time or that that time with friends together around a meal. Right. And it's cool. It's fabulous. We, I mean, our, like you, you know, family traditions. And Absolutely. There's nothing to feel bad about or guilty about <laughs> that you've got a, 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 a bounty of food in, in front of you, right? But what I think what's important for us to talk about today and, and for our listeners to, to think through, and I know many, many, many people think about these things, but it's just good to talk about, is, is what's the opposite of that? Mm-hmm. And the opposite of that is so much of daily life for really many of the people on the face of this planet mm-hmm. and, and not having access to enough food on a daily basis and not, not don't have the ability to go around the corner to the, the grocery store and, and, and get enough food to, to, to cover that table uh, uh, for, for that, for that meal. Again, so this is not feeling about guilty about these things. It really is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the word for the day is about sharing. Yeah. yeah. So what we can talk about for it's, a, a it's bit. almost like the, the, the opposite of, of, of hunger is, is sharing, isn't it? Well, you know, part of it, yeah. I think part of the outcomes of, of that sharing would yeah. be would be that that sense of what we call being food secure. Yeah, you know, that rest and that peace. You have enough. Mm-hmm. It may not be in abundant amounts, but you have enough. And um, I think it's important, though, Chris, that we tee it up. You know, what's God's word have to say? You know, let's just start there. And sure. you know, we could spend hours <laughs> with a lot of different verse and a lot of different uh, storylines from from the Bible. But I always love First John three seventeen. You know, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? There's a lot of storyline before that, and there's a lot of storyline after that verse, right? But the, in the context, it really is saying, look, 
you're a follower of Jesus, look at your fellow human around you and engage. Mm -hmm. Share your life in one way, shape, or form. Find a way to engage. Really, at the root of that verse is what is what uh, what's being said here, and and it applies so much in our work. You know, as, as uh, here at Cross International, as a, as a Christian. Um, international development and, and relief agency and, and so many organizations like ours, you know, our focus is, is so much around food and, and uh, uh, food production and food stability and, and food security and all those different types of things. And we'll talk a little bit more about what does sharing mean a little bit later, but for those who are listening, just plant that word in, in uh, as a seed in your heart while we, while we sit and talk here for the next uh, few minutes and, and such. But you know, Chris, you alluded to some of the main uh, words that are often used. Uh, uh, people hear in the news, they see on the news, <laughs> they hear about starvation and drought and all these other words. But the one word that sticks out so often is that word what? Famine. Right. Famine. And when we hear that word, it just it conjures up a lot of different images in, in our minds. And I can remember as a kid in, in the young boy in, in the 1960s and 70s, early 70s, Biafra, which is, is now, uh, I believe it's Nigeria, right, in, right. In, in, in West Africa. Uh, you know, that's my earliest memory of, of a country in turmoil. It has civil war going on there and, and the, uh, the famine that was a result of that civil war. Mm-hmm. I remember that in the news when right. I was a young boy. And then, of course, later on, uh, you know, in, in the early 80s, you had Ethiopia and, you know, since that many, many, many different situations that we hear about. I remember in uh, Ethiopia, that was a uh, uh, creation of Live Aid came did, out yeah, of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah good memory. Was, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was almost like the uh, uh, first humanitarian global remember concert. That? Remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. I remember oh, yeah. it very, very oh, distinctly. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into that word famine. Yeah, what does it mean? I mean, again, it, it the 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 right thing is that it conjures up in our mind an image that we might have seen on the TV news or in a newspaper or a magazine or wherever we've heard about when we we create an image of a person who's extremely hungry. Yeah, right. But in our world, in in the international development world, they're, they're, it's a technical term. Mm-hmm. It really is. It has a definition to it, and there's measurements and all these type of things. You know, uh, for people that move into what we call famine. And such, and it sounds kind of silly if you're not in this work. Why do you have to measure that kind of stuff? Well, there are reasons for that, but the, at the end of the day, people are extremely hungry, mm-hmm. and there's effects of them. So it's really, it's it's defined as the most severe kind of hunger crisis, and it doesn't happen that often. Really, it's very rare. Uh, but when it does happen, it means there's an extreme shortage of food, and then different measurements, like several children and adults uh, in a certain area are dying of hunger on a daily basis, and and there's really, again, in our world, there are five phases that are measured in, in, in the whole spectrum of hunger. Phase five is the most severe, and that phase is called famine. And uh, just, again, to give you some more current um, from Biafra days and Ethiopia <laughs> days, uh, some of the more current uh, situations around the globe that have happened, like in 2011, um, there was just a severe drought and conflict and, and famine that was declared in, in Somalia. And in that time, almost a quarter million people, 250,000 people died, mm. right, from famine into starvation to death, 
right? In 2017, um, in South Sudan, you know, again, it's been in and out of the news for, for years. Um, they were, again, extreme, extreme famine. And, of course, Ethiopia in the 80s. And, and to your point, you know, live aid emerged out of that situation. What, what can we do as a global community to, uh, one, bring awareness, and two, bring effect into those situations? And as I said, you know, famine, is, it's really a technical term in, 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 our, in our world. Uh, it's, it's something that is declared when uh, uh, specific things are looked at and measured, and, and now we say, okay, we're in a state of famine. It's, you know, it's food insecurity, it's mortality rates, it's malnutrition rates. So here, here's some statistics. And, you know, we're all going to hmm. fall asleep with statistics. So if you're listening, don't fall asleep. Listen up. Uh, one in five households face an extreme food shortage, 20%. You know, if you're measuring a particular area, 20% are, are in extreme food shortage. Uh, more than 30% of the population is what is called malnourished. And again, that's measured. You know, how, when is a person in a state of being malnourished, right? That's, that's, under, that's uh, uh, under caloric intake uh, on an on a ongoing basis that affects your body in, in very, very negative ways. At least two in every 10,000 people die per day. Okay? And then with, within that, at least 10 of every 10,000 children under the age of five dies per day. So when those, when those four measurements align, then the box of famine is checked, and that triggers a whole lot of other response to that, right? Again, in our world, our scope of work, especially in, in emergency response when disasters happen, there are what are called quick onset and slow onset uh, emergencies. Yeah. Okay? So the quick onset emergency would be um, you know, an earthquake, right? a flood, right. other natural disasters that, that happen, you know, boom, they're quick, obviously, hence the name, quick onset. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, very less predictable. Sometimes predictable, but much less so, right? And that's not the case for famine. Okay? A famine fits within what we call the slow onset emergency. And that could be things like uh, the result of civil war, mm-hmm. right? Uh, climate shocks, poverty issues that, right. that, that, that just grow and grow and grow, right? and other drivers. Right? And these are things that are visible, real, measurable again, right? known, predictable, et cetera, et cetera, fill in the blank. Right? And that's really where, where most famines today fit. And that they are a result of human interaction or lack thereof, and and decisions made by humans, yeah, and lack thereof. And you could call that a decision itself, right? To not intervene and 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 and, um, and avoid famines that occur. And do they usually last longer, or are they usually longer lasting, like lasting a couple of years, as opposed to like, like yeah. you you were saying that they were, you know, these these uh, quick onset, uh, you know, if they, you know, maybe they last for a couple of years. Yeah, and that's a great point. It does because the quick onsets are when they're natural disasters, you know, you haven't got an ongoing conflict, Mm -hmm. per se, to have to uh, work within and and deal with, which could extend for prolonged periods of time, right? But an earthquake happens, uh, incredibly tragic sets of circumstances, but you have a, a starting point to recover from, mm-hmm. right? And to move into rehabilitation, move into development, redevelopment phase, right? That's not necessarily the case when you've got human conflict going right. on because you don't right. know when that's going to end, right? So it's a great point. You know, famines can continue to extend for long, long, long periods of time, which they do, 
right? And, um, you know, I, I, I love this quote that I read uh, the other day. It says, famines uh, are never inevitable. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, but for the most part, they're inevitable, right? Are never inevitable. They're always predictable, always preventable, and usually man-made. Let me tell you a quick story. Um, really, when, when, when famine and, and, um, and, and is the, the whole aspect of, of human intervention in terms of starvation uh, really hit home with me. This was in the early 2000s. Uh, I was working in um, uh, eastern Ethiopia, um, and that area is called Somaliland. Uh, and there was a very, very significant drought, okay, natural uh, situation going on there. And, you know, millions of people lived in that, still do today, live in that region of the world. And uh, that region of the world is also a point of tension, uh, ethnic and politically, between Ethiopia and, and Somalia. And at that time, um, the government in place in Ethiopia uh, uh, roadways were not built out into the Somaliland because uh, there was fear of, of uh, uh, invasion and, and, and the potential for uh, other ethnicities and, and governmental uh, actions from, Ethiopia, from, Somaliland, from Somalia uh, to make its way into Ethiopia. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors behind that. I'm giving you a very cliff note version. But the bottom line is that infrastructure was not built out into that eastern region purposefully, purposefully. So that, at the end of the day, when a drought happens, as it did, um, in, that, in that region, you can't really drive too well, especially if it rains a little bit. You've got this just this scorched earth, hard-baked, uh, deep iron oxide, old dirt, and when just even a little bit of rain hits it, which happens there, it just becomes like glue. So vehicles can't get through there. So... To distribute food aid, to get large trucks and food aid out to those regions was nearly impossible. And I can remember walking through what's called a therapeutic feeding tent. So these are, you might have seen them in the news, these big uh, plastic or, or uh, rubberized plastic uh, tents, uh, big vinyl tents that or maybe half of a football field size in, 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 in size. Inside of those would be uh, care for the most severely uh, malnourished, uh, those that are in extreme starvation. And I can remember spending time in those tents and walking through them and seeing it was primarily women and children and uh, just walking along with the doctors and nurses that were working there and helping attend to uh, these kids and the women. And knowing, not just thinking, not just hypothesizing, but knowing that the majority of those people of God's creation, equal in your eyes and mine, were never going to walk out of that tent or be carried out of that tent alive. They're going to die. And, and that was just a direct result of human intention, right? That famine could have been averted. Uh, the ability to, to get food to people could have been averted. Right? So it's a, this is one of those ahas for people. I hope that they're kind of going, really? Famine is man-made. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And at the end of the day, we've, we've got to decide in our hearts and our minds and in our actions, are we going to create change in that? So what does that look like? You're going from famine and backing up a bit to hunger. 
which is a little bit different. Again, in our realm, everything's got these definitions, right? And, and um, to your point, uh, over 800 million people today are chronically hungry around the globe, around the globe. And, and that's a big figure. Now, what's happened over the last series of years, you know, we talk here at work about the Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, uh, to the year 2030. And these are 17 measurable indicators that the global community of, of, of development uh, actors, the, the UN and others, and, and across international and others, have, have worked uh, towards in terms of identifying it. Look, if we can achieve um, great measurement, great success in these 17 indicators, we can help alleviate and reduce and alleviate global poverty. Food insecurity or food security is one of those. It's actually, it's number two on the SDG list. And uh, the fact of the matter is there was great progress being made for quite a number of years. And then a few years ago, due to a whole lot of factors, man-made, man-made, <laughs> yeah. what was around 500 million people, still a lot of people, huge That's amount right. of people, yeah. is now up to about 800 million. Mm-hmm. Right? So a lot of people still hungry today. Now, is that something you and I should feel guilty about? No. Should we be spurred on to take action? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And I hope everybody listening has the same thing, same reaction in their heart. So let's talk about, about hunger. Again, from a definition standpoint, what does that look like in our realm? And, and it's, it really is, if you can imagine, sitting there uh, day in and day out, it's a physical sensation. It's a hard, painful physical sensation caused by insufficient consumption of energy, dietary energy. You're not getting enough food right, on a day-to-day basis. And you, you replicate that over days and weeks and months and years, and then you get into that stage five of, of famine, right? But most people are not in famine. Most people of those 800 are in that, that hunger, that chronic hun- hunger uh, situation, and it is, it's terrible for them on a day-to-day basis. And about 270 million out of those 800-plus are in what we call acute hunger, right? Close to that famine stage, but not quite there. And uh, my gosh, you know, you've been out abroad and I've spent a lot of time around the world and you see so many communities that are in that stage of hunger. What can you do about it? What can you do about it? And, and, and you know, we, for you and I, it's relatively easy to go down the corner store and, and get some food. You know, we're, we're pretty uh, confident, well, right? It's, it's one of those yeah. things too where, you know, it's, it's something that we, we take for granted and for so many people it's uh, – it's it's hard to even imagine when you try to explain to people where they literally cannot go get cannot right. go get food right. where food actually isn't available that's very true very true and 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 even here in the US unfortunately there are, there are places that there are it's places. very difficult but you know you and I can feel secure that on on just about any given day we can find food right, right? i mean so we don't have the um very real emotional fear and physical uh, uh, reality that we're dealing with, right? Well, another one of the terms in our world is food insecurity or food security, right? And again, for for those 800 million people, you know, they are food insecure Mm -hmm. on a day-in to day-out basis. What does that mean? just simply means they don't have enough food to give them enough calories to live a normal day-to-day life. Right now, normal adjust depends on where you live and where your culture is. But at the end of the day, that's what we call food insecurity. And my gosh, you, you, I can just think as as a as a husband and, and as a as a parent, 
what if we were living food insecure day in and day out? You know, how, how it spurs me on to try to make things happen for my family, but also the emotional toll that it takes. And it does. But let me tell you a story. Can I tell you a story of success? Sure. Yeah, let's get it. Because, you know, look, it's not all about doom and gloom. It's not. I mean, there, there's great successes in the midst of all this. And, and um, this is, a, I think, a great way to end uh, this particular episode. So if I could, let me, let me tell you about Daniel, okay? Okay. And uh, so we're going to hop on the plane again, and we're going <laughs> to fly to Africa, and we're going to Uganda. Right in uh, uh, eastern, northeastern uh, 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 part of Africa, and and Daniel's a young boy today. He's about sixteen or seventeen right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but an amazing story for Daniel and his family, and it's about moving from being food insecure uh-huh. to being food secure. If you fly to Kampala, the capital city of Uganda, mm-hmm. and then you drive west about three hours, way out in the bush, uh, very dry, hot. Um, rural area not much uh development in terms of infrastructure and such Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's a village out there called kachichanga where we work with our partner called heed uganda daniel's uh, father uh made a a decision that was very uh detrimental to the family and uh uh, i won't get into the details bottom line is is mother and and all the kids had to leave and flee and and such and and you know poverty issues layer into these these dynamics a lot in in, in, in developing countries and so they 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 left uh, their what was very very rural home to a, a less rural but still rural community that um, uh, here they find themselves li- literally living under a tarp it was it was the mom very very young mom and her, herself and Daniel who was the oldest of I believe nine siblings mm. right. Daniel's like 14 or 15 at the time. Mm-hmm. No work, uh, nothing really, literally, other than the clothes on their back. And uh, the community that, that he, Cross and he uh, work in together there um, helped rally around this family. And they found some work for the mother and for Daniel. They were both working as day laborers uh-huh. on, a, on a farm and making the equivalent of about $1.70 a day, U.S. dollar U.S. dollar seventy per day, wow. both of them combined. I mean, less than than that uh, that under $2 a day poverty level, right? you know, right. extreme poverty level. Um, so here they are just trying to scratch out a living for their family and their grit to really move forward in life was 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 amazing, and the family saw uh, the community saw what was going on with this family, and so they said, "Gosh, how do we help assist this family?" And Daniel, uh, God bless his heart, as this young boy, he decided, you know, he's now the man in the family, and he's going to help mom and all the kids, right? And the, the it's a long story, but the short of it is that Daniel, while he's going to school, uh, while he's working in the field. Uh, also gets trained on how to become a brick maker, a maker of bricks to build homes, as does his mother also. So while they're working in the fields uh, for their their day job, he's also going to school, but they're also making bricks. Right. And they're making bricks. They made about 10,000 bricks uh, both to sell but also to build their own home. And the community provided a small, small, small plot of land for the family. And Daniel and, and community members, again, Daniel's, a middle teenager, right? They build the house, a three-room house for their family. And then Daniel gets uh, 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 training on how to care for small animals. 
So uh, the family's capitalized, not with cash, but they're capitalized with a goat. They're not a goat, excuse me, with a pig and a cow. And, and also they're trained on how to grow crops so they can, they can grow uh, some food on their small plot of land. He, and he learns how to raise this animal and offspring of the animal they can sell in the marketplace. And his goal, you know, this young man, his goal was and is to provide for his family and for his mother. And mom's still working today. And here they are today, a few, just a, literally just a few years later, and they were so food insecure. Again, that complete lack of regular access to enough food, enough nutrition, to now being food secure. They have a home that they own. They have animals that they're caring for. They have a small garden plot and fruit trees that are producing, not just for their family, but they're selling also. They know how to care for, he knows how to care for animals. He's going to school. He wants to be an agronomist when he, when he grows up. I think he's already grown up, right? But you know what I'm saying, when he finishes oh, school. It's an amazing story. It, it is an amazing yeah. story. The fact that, you know, he's, he's still a teenager, still and, he's, teenager. And, and he's doing all yeah. these things, and that's, all these things for his family. Yeah, that's but just one story of literally tens of hundreds of thousands of ten thousands of stories like that all around the world when good... Um, development assistance walks alongside uh, people and families and communities in need, right? And beca- that sharing heart, right? You're not giving, you're not giving, you're not doing it for them, but you're transferring knowledge and 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 investing resources and helping that person move forward in life, right. right? And the church is at the core of that in this community. It's really cool that the that Daniel's family knows that these are provisions from God through God's people. You know, and and he is so thankful to God for that. Yeah, that you great know? that 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 we can play a part in that transformation. Isn't that true? And 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 for all of our listeners, you know, when you start to think about how are you sharing in life, um, you know, when you partner up with organizations like Cross or others, or uh, even one right across the street that's serving people, on, perhaps on the street or what have you, uh, just know that you are sharing, you're participating, you're impacting lives, right? And it, so I just I go back to the verse that we started with, 1 John 3.17, that if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity in them, how can the love of God be in that person? And in taking that verse and taking it to heart and, and living a life of sharing and caring and involvement and participation and helping people move from food insecurity to being food secure. What an inspirational story, especially at this time of year, Kelly. It really is. I'm into that. God bless you guys. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. If you'd like to learn more about Cross International and make a difference in the lives of vulnerable children and their family members, visit our website at crossinternational.org. See you next time at Cross the World with Kelly Miller.